Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hey, quick question for you, Sean. Sue Light is announced his engagement to Cassie, correct? The newly engaged Sue Light. Way to go to yeah. Daniel and Cassie. Yes. Yeah. Right. Does Sage Karam know yet he's the best man? <laughs> I remember Sage's pops during his wrestling days at Lock Haven U back in the yeah. late 80s. So I'm not 99% yeah. sure Jody wouldn't remember me, but uh, I, have to, uh, I have to reach out to Jody on Twitter and uh, maybe, maybe he'll know. Because Chase Utley says he's not available. All right. <laughs> well, he's got his Today's TV show thing going Brian. in L.A., so, you know. <laughs> uh, he says he wants to go. All right. So, uh, but he's really, really, really busy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know you got a live broadcast of Summary Motors that day. You can't make it. All right. So... <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com, auto home life business, whatever the insurance needs may be, you go with the best. They will take good care of you from the moment you walk in the door all the way through the life of each insurance policy. It is Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our play-by-play call of the day, the the Padres and the Rockies go yard over and over and over again. Pitch to Garcia, runners go line, drive left center field. That's a base hit. That may roll all the way to the wall. Manny Machado has scored. Hoffy's bringing home Myers. And on the way to third is Garcia. They get the throw. One bounce. No chance. The ball game. Just like Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, your Padres have tied the ball game again. My old friend Ted Leitner. I personally like Ted and a lot of respect for Ted, so it's great to hear him again. And you're saying, how would you run into the Padres play-by-play guy? Because Ted's also the play-by-play voice of San Diego State. And speaking of San Diego State, who announced all? Uh, Ted announced all the games at San Diego State of Kawhi Leonard in his career. With that, we bring in Keith Smith, RealGM.com. Keith, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want let's start with uh, the big post news, and that, of course, is the Anthony Davis trade. Look, there's there's Ingram in here. There's Ball in here. Two previous top five picks. There's also three future number one picks. What was your thought on the the parts and pieces to this trade, which should be official by July sixth? Yeah, it was one of those those deals where as the the terms came out, it just kind of kept getting better and better for the Pelicans. With each piece that was released, we would hear they added this pick and then these protections, which actually work in their favor because it could delay these picks until LeBron James is post-prime. There are all these factors in there that just kept slanting it more New Orleans' way. But now here with a day or two of hindsight, 
it, you know, in all the full picture of the trade, I still feel good about it for both sides. The Pelicans obviously had to move Davis. He didn't want to be there anymore. And I feel like this is a trade that the Lakers had to make. They, in effect, tossed away year 16 of LeBron James last season, and you couldn't go into this year with any chance of tossing away year 17 of LeBron James. So this is a good deal for both teams, one of those rare win-win trades, at least on its face, you know, years before we can fully evaluate it. Uh, my evaluation of, of James and Kyrie Irving, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but they're two guys that really need to have the ball in their hands. I get the sense that Anthony Davis is not that kind of guy, and if that is the case, does that make this possibility mesh even better? One guy that really has to be effective with the ball and one that can be without. Yeah, it's that old adage, right? There's only one basketball, no matter how good everybody can be with it. And in this case, Anthony Davis is a guy who he's great in pick and roll. He's great as a roll man. He's great at stepping back and shooting jump shots. He's really good as a spot-up shooter. And he's great as a dive man coming in off the weak side or off of set plays and those kind of things. So Frank Vogel, the new Lakers head coach, he's going to have a lot of fun drawing up ways to take advantage of Davis's you know, fairly unique offensive skill set for a guy who's a six foot eleven center. Now, for James, yeah, he's always had the ball in his hand, and that's probably not going to change at this point in his career. He's going to be that guy who's going to do most of facilitating of the offense. So it's important you get the right kind of guys around them. They still do need somebody who can be a secondary playmaker, a secondary point of attack guy. But they've got a lot of roster slots to fill and a good amount of money to do it. If they go that route, or are they going to go the full star route, and then we'd have to fill it out with lesser options for the minimum and exceptions and the like. The move that was made, look, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are not grizzled veterans in all of this. Does this, in the end, put maybe a little more pressure on Zion Williamson, yes or no? No, I don't think so. I think part of the reason why the Pelicans could make this trade and delay so many of these assets to later years is because they don't have any real pressure as a franchise right now because what you're looking at excuse me is if you're the Pelicans you're kind of saying well we've got the new franchise guy coming in in Zion that's the guy we're going to build around that's what everybody's excited about so you kind of as odd as it may seem as you see usher one franchise player out the door your new one's coming in right on the heels and that kind of buys you almost a couple years of grace period okay uh the raptors became the first team uh since the turn of the century to win a title and not have a quote lottery pick on the roster when you look at roster construction what kind of job did they do and especially just saying, hey, look, I know maybe you're only here one year, but what does it tell everybody about their desire to win that they said yes to Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I think there's a couple pieces there. So Masai Ujiri did a great job of identifying players later in the draft, guys like Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet is an undrafted player. He did a really right. good job you know, plucking those guys and putting that all together. Now on the flip side, you had they went all in they believed that they were close with the guys that they had and they needed something to push them over the top and i love it whenever a general manager says 
we're close. We're going to go get the guy we think that can put us over the top. And that's exactly what the Raptors did. So, you know, kudos to them because not only did they do it with Kawhi, but then they did it in season when they went and got Marc Gasol as well. They just kind of kept adding and were never satisfied until they, they were really out of time to add players to the roster. And that's a big, you know, benefit to the front office that Masai was given that go-ahead by their ownership group to say, all right, we're right here. Why not us? Go get these guys and see if we can get this done. Okay, so now they've constructed... Now, there's copycats in, in every league. Is there something about the Toronto model that you think one or two people might consider going copycat, or is it just a one-off and they just were able to pull it off the way they did it? Yeah, I think it's more of a one-off. We're hearing a lot of things today about, or really it's been the last week since they won the championship, about how one or two stars isn't going to do it. Look at Toronto. They had everybody contributing up and down the roster. Well, that conveniently overlooks that they had four players on the roster that made in excess of $20 million this year. And part of the reason why they were able to get Kawhi Leonard was because they had DeMar DeRozan on a $25 million contract as a trade piece. So they had paid. They just maybe necessarily didn't pay the right guys to carry themselves there until they got Kawhi. So I think the model is still you have to go get the most talent possible, and that's whether you do that via trade or via free agency, and you're going to have to pay a lot of money to get there, and that's something that, you know, the Warriors, we can't throw away what they've done over the last five years here because they're still, you know, in a lot of ways, they, they built the model of how you get to the finals. And speaking of the Warriors, okay, quote, where to from here? I mean, because obviously we know that Kevin Durant is a free agent. Clay Thompson has a torn ACL. What kind of decisions does Bob Myers have to make right now, and what kind of capital does he have to make those decisions? Yeah, well, the capital is not much. Their best bet at this point seems to be to go ahead and re-sign Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and wait it out a year because otherwise what you're looking at is you can't replace those guys. They don't have the ability to do that. They don't have the cap space to do those those things. And I think your hope is this, let's talk about Clay Thompson first. Unfortunately, ACL tears are something we see on a pretty regular basis. But fortunately, guys tend to, after a year or so, get back in the NBA. He's still young enough. His game is based around mostly around his shooting. He's not a you know super tremendous athlete. So hopefully you're going to get him back. He'll be fully healthy and you'll move things forward. Kevin Durant is a key one. The Achilles tendon tear has been a career ender for many players or at least a major career changer. Yeah. The guys yes. who do well returning from that are, are the ground-bound guys, the Elton Brands of the world. Or even, if you want to look this year, DeMarcus Cousins. The super athletic guys who rely on their athleticism, like Kevin Durant, they tend to struggle when they come back. So if you're Bob Myers, you're, you're going to run a risk of, if you don't pay these guys a bunch of money, someone else will because there are franchises that will take the risk. And if you do, you better hope it works out because otherwise the Warriors could be in trouble three, four years from now when those contracts become albatrosses. Yeah, I remember uh, when Tim Frazier of the Bucks was at Penn State, uh, he hurt his Achilles, so he was out for a year. 
Well, he finally came back for his senior year. He was probably about 75, 80%. It wasn't until the year after that he got to 100%. This is a two year, this can be a two year injury. And people I don't think realize that, that you don't just come back and you're 100% from it. Correct. And you're talking about a guy at that point who was probably, what, 20, 21 years old when yeah. it happened, not Kevin Durant, who's in his early 30s right. now. So that's, that's right. been, you know, an additional concern there. If you look at a guy like Kobe Bryant, he was never really the same, you know, player. And he was, you know, older than Kevin Durant was, but not by such yep. a considerable margin that you don't have to think about it. All right, I want to ask you, we talked about some power players in here and how they've done. Well, another power player is Clutch Sports' Rich Paul, and obviously in the thick of the Anthony Davis thing here. When you're dealing with power agents that are trying to manipulate the system, not just but also public opinion about a situation, how tough is that from a GM's point of view? Yeah, it's really hard. It's one of the hardest things that a general manager needs to do. You know, I think there's a misconception from a lot of fans that, you know, they sit down, they fire up the trade machine on ESPN, look around and say, all right, let's do it. It's, <laughs> this is not a you know, 2K sports video game. You know, you, you, you can't do that. And these guys can and do say no. So managing relationships is a key component of a general manager's job and that's not just with his players and coaches and his owner but it's also with the agent this is a lot of times where you'll see they'll, you'll ask questions like why did the Lakers give Contavious Caldwell Pope such a good contract well Contavious Caldwell Pope is repped by LeBron James guy not only did that deliver them LeBron James but now on the flip side a couple years later it looks like it's delivered them Anthony Davis as well. That's not the sole reason, but it certainly doesn't hurt. So that's something you constantly have to manage as a GM. You also, when you make a trade, you have to be a good trade partner in all this. I know that I thought David Griffin did a great job of you mentioned getting as much as he can out of it. But being a good trade partner opens the door for other people to want to trade with you. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people have asked the question because the, there's all these mechanics around when exactly this Anthony Davis trade will happen, and they're all based around why would the Pelicans wait and give the Lakers more cap space? Well, part of the reason why you wait is, again, you're building that relationship, not only with the Lakers for future trades, but the rest of the league sees, well, hey, the Pelicans are good guys and willing to help. You also then get Rich Paul and Clutch Sports to say, all right, hey, you helped our guys get the most, you know, that they could and work everything so it works well for them with the Lakers. So what we, you know, maybe down the line, they're going to steer one of their candidates towards the Pelicans. It's one of those things where you're constantly managing 10, 12 things. The other piece is people have asked, well, could this whole trade fall apart? Could they get mad? That's not going to happen. Once it's, it's out there kind of reported out there publicly, sure, details could potentially change, but guys aren't going to walk away. That That's the, the quickest way to make sure no one wants to trade with you again. Right. Exactly. All right, so now the free agent season will come up after the draft, and everyone knows the names, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, among others. What interests you in all this in in the moving parts as to how the NBA could change if it falls a certain way? Yeah, it, it, this is the NBA. I like to say because of the nature of their contracts, where most contracts run out at most four years, occasionally five years. It, it, 
the NBA tends to go through these big resets about every three or four seasons. That seems like one of these seasons. And what, what seems a little bit interesting is with the Warriors' injuries, the league is completely wide open for the first time in about a five-year window. There is belief that the Lakers may be the favorites, but there are a lot of people saying, as of right now, they've got five guys on the roster. They, they've still got to go get 10, 12 more guys to fill that thing out. So what you're looking at there is how who who's going to emerge. And what you may have, which I think is a lot of fun, is some of these smaller market teams, the Indiana Pacers, the Utah Jazz, they, the Denver Nuggets, Portland Trailblazers. They may say, you know what, why not us? If we make that one big move that we feel like keeps us away, we might be the ones there holding this because, again, this league is that wide open. And that, to me, is when the NBA is its most fun. When you remove the air of inevitability of it's going to be the Warriors, and for years, four years prior to that, it's going to be the Warriors versus LeBron James, now that's all gone, and we really don't know what to expect, and that's when the NBA is its most enjoyable. And finally, Keith, what about the Rockets and all of this? I mean, they're in a, you know, they've got James Harden, they've got some other parts. Do they have enough? Can they do they have enough wiggle room to bring somebody else to help? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is we started getting all these reports that the Rockets were unhappy, and there's been some more of that over the last day or so as well. And we're hearing all these things about these guys don't get along, and maybe they don't want to play together anymore, and and this and that and the other. And what I think is being easily forgotten here is a year ago we were saying, man, they were one bad shooting night away from being in the NBA Finals and maybe winning a title. And this year it didn't go their way, but they had a lot of a lot of bumps along the way. So I think the Rockets may be again, they may have been ready to break that thing up and go in a completely different direction. And now I think you might have the Rockets looking at it and saying, Well geez, the Warriors aren't gonna be the Warriors anymore. Maybe we should keep this together and go to act, go after them with, with what we have. They've got to make moves around the edges, and that's all they really have the ability to do because they're completely capped out otherwise. But I think that's what you're going to see Daryl Morey undertake this offseason. Keith, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Keith Smith, RealGM.com. You can read him on Yahoo Sports as well. Does a great job covering the NBA and giving us insight to the moves that are being made and also not being made in the NBA at this time. And it's been very active for the NBA. It's that's one thing. Uh, baseball used to own the cycle. Okay. Well, the NBA has figured out how to own the off season. You got to give them credit between. Free agent speculation, the draft, then actual free agents, they own the offseason, which is right when baseball is being played. It used to be the other way around. Baseball would own November and December, and then all of a sudden they'd reappear in February and own that cycle too. Now that's not happening. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Great to have you with us on the show today. The NBA has done a great job now, and because they've got a partner in ESPN that makes it this way. But they own the cycle. Baseball used to be you start the season into March, first week of April. You play the season. 
Then you get to the postseason. You own you own the the stretch drive of September. You own the postseason of October, and then you have you would have the Cy Young Award winner one day for the National League, the next day the American League, then the MVP, then the MVP the next day of the other league, Rookie of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year. So over an eight day cycle, you have awards. Then you get to December, and you would have the winter meetings where the possibility of free agent signings, trades. And then after that, in mid-February, spring training starts with pitchers and catchers reporting. Baseball used to own that cycle. Now it's become an afterthought. The NBA, on the other hand, plays its postseason, gets to its final, then during the course of the postseason, you're getting all this free agent speculation. Now you get this trade, you got the draft this week, then starting July 1, you're going to hear about who's signing and going where. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Keywords 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And uh, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, whatever your insurance needs may be, they will take care of it. You'll be completely insured, and you'll get the best price. They'll search it out. Or make sure that you are not paying more than you should be for your insurance. And if there's ever a claim, they will go to work as if it happened to them because they are your partner. It is Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. All right. Well, it's that time of the year where you get all of the magazines coming out. And I'm always asked, Sean, by people, which magazines do you get? You go to the store, which one do you pick up? And I can tell you no uncertain terms, I don't pick up any of them. Uh, it's all old information. There's only one that I will order. Okay? I'll order it up because it's the best research of them all. Without, I mean, not even the same plane as anybody else. And that's Phil Steele. Phil, welcome back. It's great to have you with us. You know, I'm doing good. I'm I'm enjoying uh, my time right now. I get to uh, magazines done. Deadlines are over. We spent six months on that puppy, and now I get to talk football all day long. So it's like I'm not even working. I'm sure you know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling very much. Uh, it, it's a, you you work on this all the time. It's a constant labor of love, but it's it, you know, but there's an intensity to it. What has the transfer portal meant to how Oof. how you put this together and what you think of teams now? because of the transfers 
Well, I tell you, it's a good thing we come out later than everybody else. You know, the other yeah. magazines, to, to be out in the middle of May like they are, they have to go to the press before spring practices are over, for crying out loud. I wait till after spring practices are over. I wait to talk to the coaches after they've had their exit interviews. So I'm privy to some of the transfers that might be happening that aren't announced yet, which is really good for the magazine. But there were so many transfers in the month of May that we were making last-minute moves here and there, and uh, it, it it's getting a little a little tough in, in May to get the thing done. But good thing we come out later than everybody else. Okay, so that, the next part, because of the number of transfers, in your opinion, who who did you change your opinion on for a team based on the transfers pro and con? Um, I would have to say uh, maybe a, a team, and I'm going to go off the radar here. I'm going to go with maybe a Buffalo. Yeah, that's uh, fine. you know when you look at when you look at Buffalo, they they were they were. I was talking to Coach Leipold, they were set up for this year, and then they lose one kid to the NFL, and they lose I think four kids to P5 conference transfers, and all of a sudden what looked like a major contender in the MAC turned into a middle of the road team in the East, most likely. Right, you know, and Penn State plays Buffalo this year, and I've been putting together their stuff, and it's amazing. I'm with you. I looked at the Buffalo team. You know, obviously, Jackson, the quarterback, went to the NFL draft. I thought, big loss, but I'm looking and thinking, boy, they've got a lot of people back until the transfer thing happened. Yeah, and losing guys to, to P5 schools like they are, <clears throat> they lost one of their top receivers to Miami. Yes, and I figured, okay, he's going to Miami of Ohio. No, yeah. Miami of Florida. And it's like, yeah. wow. These and and Coach Leipold was saying they're basically coming in and uh, they're they're going after the top group of five guys, and that's where they're going to get them. All right, so let's get to a, a couple teams. You look at a team like Ohio State. You know, you know the talent base. But do you have how difficult is it for you to read an Ohio State team because Ryan Day hasn't been a head coach. Well, the good thing is, you know, he had the, the four games as the head coach last year, been in the system. So that's that's one big advantage, I think, that he has coming in. But he's not Urban Meyer, so there is going to be a little bit of a drop-off, definitely, at the coaching department. Uh, overall, I think the talent at Ohio State is probably pretty good. Defensively, they were not the typical Ohio State defense last year, gave up way too many big plays. This year, I think you'll see... With the amount of talent they have coming back, nine starters on defense, it will be more your typical Ohio State offense. A big thing, or defense, I should say. Offensively, the big question mark to me is a quarterback. Now, you know Justin Fields not going to throw for 4,800 yards and 50 touchdowns like Dwayne Haskins did, right. but I think he gives Ohio State the run game like they used to have when they had JT Barrett at QB. Remember last year, Ohio State's offense was atypical in the run game. They had games where they rushed for less than 100 yards, and the majority of the games they were under 200 yards rushing. I think they get back to running the football more this year. Schedule doesn't set up very easy for them at the end of the year when they have to play Michigan on the road. But other than that, they'll probably be favored in their games. And I think Ohio State will still do pretty well. But I, I actually did not pick them to win the East for once. Yeah, which means I want to get to Michigan. Michigan's obviously had guys that left early for the NFL draft. Rashawn Gary, for example. Bush, the people in Pittsburgh, love him so far. So how do you view Michigan's defense, Phil, and what difference now as a second-year starter can Shea Patterson make? 
Well, you know, I think Shea Patterson's going to have a much bigger year for two reasons. It's his second year there, and then they bring in Josh Gaddis as the offensive coordinator. Sure. Gaddis is switching schemes. They've been running the two tight ends, the fullback, and lining everybody up in the box, running the pro-style set. Now Gaddis is coming in. You're going to see them fully committed to the spread offense, uh, running a lot of uh, – uh, 10 personnel, 11 personnel, and really opening it up. And I think that's a benefit to Shea Patterson. Plus, he's got a really good offensive line in front yeah. of him as well. And with Michigan, it's Don Brown's defense. And, you know, they do lose a lot from last year. But I'm going to take you back to 2017. They had one returning starter on defense. Right. They gave up 271 yards per game, 18.8 yards per carry. They were one of the best defenses in the country. And uh, I think Don Brown's pretty confident in the defense that he's got coming back this year. Great secondary. And they've got some players up front, like Quiddy Pay, Carlo yep. Kemp, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. So I think Michigan's still going to have a legitimate top 10 defense this year. And that secondary is critical because if he can play you man up on the outside, as you know, Phil, then that allows him to play the Don Brown defense where he can turn the other nine loose. Absolutely. And if he can, if he has the cornerback play, like Lavert Hill yes. and Ambry Thomas, those two guys right there both have good size, good coverage ability. That just completely opens up that defense to the blitz package. And uh, I tell you what, if I was an offense coordinator, that's one team I, I, I would not enjoy facing. All right, now let's get to Michigan State now. They have a lot of people back. You know, Willikus is back on defense. Bocce's back at linebacker. Brian Lewerke is a guy that that when he's on, he's on. But he was banged up last year. But when he's off, it affects them. So what kind of barometer do you have on Michigan State, the kind of team that, that Mark can have this year? Well, no-brainer, the defense is going to be good with eight starters back from that unit yes. that uh, was number one in the nation in rush defense last year. And you talked about all their stars are back. Willikas, Bocce, uh, Josea Scott is a guy that yeah. at cornerback. Remember the difference he made when he got back in the lineup last year no and now doubt. he's back there full-time? So that's a dynamic defense. Now, offensively last year, it wasn't just Lewerke that was banged up. I mean, their running backs were banged up. Their receivers were banged up. On the offensive line, it seemed like it was a different unit every week, and sometimes they were replacing two starters every week. So they are much more – if they can remain healthier. Remember, the offense coming into last year, there were people projecting, you know, 450, 500 yards per game, best offense Michigan State's had. Now they've got the bulk of those personnel back. So I think they're a dangerous team. Uh, coming in, and I do think the offense will not resemble last year's unit, which averaged just 18.7 points per game. Which then brings us to Penn State. What's the read now you have on Penn State after after the spring? You know, talking to Coach Franklin each year coming in, I had pretty much anticipated that the starting quarterback this year was going to be Tommy Stevens, but uh, now he's probably going to be starting for Mississippi State. Wow. Uh, but it's a young uh, young unit in the skill positions. Quarterback, running back, and receiver, all very young. They're solid on the offensive line. Gotta love the defense coming in. I mean, Etor Grossmetos, uh, Robert Windsor, Parsons at linebacker, Cam Brown, John Reed. These guys are all NFL caliber guys. And last Last year, Penn State had uh, 47 sacks among the tops in the country. So you're looking at a defense that's right at the top. Offensively, it's going to be depend on how quickly these skill position players adapt because they are young at uh, running back, quarterback, and receiver. But there is talent there. So the potential's there for Penn State. I- I'm going to sum up Penn State season this way, uh, Steve. Uh, I'm going to say Halloween. Because it all depends what the heck happens in October. It's yes. trick or treat. Yep. It is at Iowa 
home or excuse me uh, open up with Purdue at Iowa Michigan at Michigan State trick or treat if you win three out of the four you're a Big East contender it, it could turn into an ugly October we'll see what happens and that then you mentioned the Michigan Ohio State game at the end the other part people some people forget is Penn State plays Ohio State the week before they play Michigan so I mean Ohio State's got that backloaded this year as to playing Penn State and Michigan back to back all right. That's uh, right. Yeah. Now let's get I want to get to Nebraska for a moment. It's his second year, yet a lot of people have jumped on that Nebraska bandwagon with Scott Frost. Are you on the bandwagon with them or are you being cautious about it? Uh well, uh, you know, last year my number one most improved team in the country was Florida. Florida was coming off a 4 and 8 season. Right. Saw a lot of factors pointing up picked them my number one most improved team in the country and they did pretty well they finished in the top 10 at the end of the year sure so I was pretty happy with it this year my number one most improved team in the country is a team you just touched on nebraska and you know when you watch nebraska at the start of last year they were learning completely different schemes on offense and defense as well and it took them a while to acclimate i didn't think they were bad in the first half of the year they could easily have won some of those games where they went 0 six but they did go four and two down the stretch played a lot better they've got a quarterback that fits the system perfectly in yep. adrian martinez he's one of the best quarterbacks in the big 10 they've got a lot of quality running backs the offensive line looks solid and defensively after a few years where they probably shouldn't have passed out a single black shirt because they haven't been playing great defense recently I think they'll play better D this year and then look at their schedule the road games this year are against Colorado losing record last year Illinois losing record last year Minnesota barely got above 500 Mm -hmm. last year Purdue finished with a losing record Maryland losing record so they don't play a single team that's dominant on the road they get Ohio State at home but they avoid Michigan they avoid yep. Michigan State. They avoid Penn State. That's a schedule tailor-made to actually win the West, and that's why I put them as my number one most improved team, and I, I did pick them to win the West. They get Wisconsin at home. They get Northwestern at home. They get Iowa at home, and that, all three of those games are going to be huge for them this year. Yeah, early last season we were watching a game in the booth because Penn State had a later game, and Jack Ham and I were watching Adrian Martinez, and we looked at each other and said, you know what, he's got his guy. Uh, and it, you know, now he got hurt, and then he had to come back from that. But to me, that by getting him, I thought that was the piece he needed to get himself out of the gate. Yeah, and had he not got injured against Colorado in the third quarter, I yeah. think they would have won that game. They yeah. would have won the next week against Troy. And Agreed. It, who knows? With a couple of early season wins, it might have been a completely different season last year. There was so much last year that was a learning curve and the injuries and the schedule that all those things look so much better this year. I think we're going to see one of the most improved teams in the country. Uh, you know, it seems like we're in an era in the college football playoff where the more things change, they still say the same. And there have been some different teams that have been able to get into the Final Four, Notre Dame, of course, being one of them last year. But is it still really the same grouping in your mind, or is there somebody that can break through and get into that top six or seven and make a run at it? Yeah, I'm going to throw a, a real surprise team out at you this year. Now, last year, my number one surprise team in the country, and, and to clarify what a surprise team is, it is a non-top-10 team that yeah. I think can make the playoffs. Well, last year, my number one surprise team was Notre Dame. Right. Notre Dame wasn't in the top-10 at the start of the year, and guess what? They made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this year, I'm even going deeper into the well. I'm taking <laughs> Utah, and I don't think anybody even has Utah in their top 25 coming into the season. Right. But what, I, what I'd what i love is defense and defensive 
defensive lines. And, you know, you go back to Clemson last year with their defensive line. It was pretty much dominant, and they ended up winning the national title. Well, Utah has the nation's best defensive line. We're talking about Fotu, Penasini, Ine, Tupaya. They go 11 deep on the defensive line. They can rotate, uh, and they are going to be dominant on the defensive front. They've got a great set of linebackers. The secondary is loaded with Jalen Johnson at cornerback, Julian Blackman at free safety. So they're going to play some dominant defense in the Pac-12. Now, offensively last year, they went 9-5, of but they lost their starting quarterback, Tyler Huntley, and they lost their starting running back, Zach Moss, to injury. Moss was going to be one of the, on the Maxwell list at the end of the year, and then he got injured and missed the last five games. Those guys are back. The replacements are back. The offensive line looks solid. And then the schedule gets easier. Last year, they played all the top teams in the Pac-12 North, and they also had to play most of the tough games on the road. This year, they avoid a lot of the teams out of the Pac-12 North. They get Washington State at home. The only two tough road tests are USC and Washington, and both those teams in a little bit of a rebuilding mode. I've got Utah as my number one surprise team. It wouldn't surprise me if they shocked everybody and made the playoffs, despite coming off a 9-5 season. You know, Washington had a very good offense last year. When they played them in the Pac-12 championship game, Washington had to fight for every inch on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky lucky to score. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lucky to score. Uh, all right, so that's your number one surprise. Look, there are obviously the standard bearers, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Uh, do you see any fall-off in those teams at all at this particular stage? All three of those teams actually look like they could be uh, as good, if not better, than last year. Right. So Alabama and Clemson offensively. Actually, the top three offenses in the country. There's no weakness there. All three have outstanding offensive lines. All three have outstanding quarterbacks. All three have outstanding receiving cores. All three have outstanding running backs. Defensively, when you look at them, you remember last year, Alabama only had three returning starters on defense. Right. This year, they have six. They only lose five guys off the defense of the NFL. That's a low number for them. Yeah. So so this is going to be a, a your typical loaded Alabama defense, not the one you were watching in the championship game when they gave up 44 points. But heck, a lot of teams are going to give up 44 points to Clemson. Georgia's defense looks better this year. Clemson's D doesn't look quite as good as last year. I mean, they do lose four guys the NFL, three first round draft picks. Yeah. But I rate their defensive line number five in the country. So they've got the replacements. Yeah, they got the replacements lined up. Xavier Thomas, Justin Foster. Here's a couple of names that you got to learn because they'll be the dominant players this year on Clemson's defensive front. What do you think of Georgia and where they, they fit into this? I think Georgia makes could make the playoff this year. When you yeah. look at Georgia, uh, as mentioned, they've got six starters back on both offense and defense. Jake Fromm back at QB. The offense is going to be loaded defensively. Last year they were rather inexperienced on defense, and I think it showed at times. This year they're more experienced on the defensive side of the ball. And then you look at their schedule. Their road games this year, they're against Georgia Tech, which is completely shifting systems. So Georgia Tech is a team they've handled in the past. They'll be able to win that one. Tennessee. Vanderbilt, they play Florida and Jacksonville, and they play Auburn on the road. I think Auburn's the toughest road test, and they lost the last time there. Right. But Georgia has uh, will be favored in all 12 games this year. I think that we might see an undefeated Georgia and undefeated Alabama in the SEC championship game. And then you've got Texas A&M. Jimbo's second year there, you're talking about a loaded schedule. He's got a loaded schedule along the way. Can they start to make that move you know, I know Alabama's at the top there in the West. LSU's there as well. Can A and M start to make a move? In your opinion? Yes. And uh, when I talked to Coach Fisher this year, I wrapped up the conversation by saying, "Coach, I think I'm going to put Texas A and M on my cover 
national cover <laughs> next year. Yeah. Next year. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, th- this year they open up with Clemson on the road, as you mentioned. Uh, they have to play Alabama at home. They have to play Georgia on the road. They have to play LSU on the road. That is a killer schedule. And they're somewhat inexperienced in certain areas. They only have four starters back on D. Next year that defense looks to replace maybe just one starter. So the defense is going to be nasty. Kellen Mond will be a senior next year. Yep. Uh, in fact, the bulk of this team, it's a junior-sophomore team. I think Texas A&M next year challenges Alabama big time in the SEC West. And I think Jimbo Fisher might just have the Aggies on the cover, but next year. This year is still one year away. Experience-wise, schedule-wise, I think they're one year away. Yeah. It is uh, always a pleasure. It is great to have you with us. You add so much, and it is the only one I'll I'll actually uh, put my dollars down to get because it's that good. I appreciate that, Steve. That's a great comment, and uh, I always enjoy chatting football with you, my friend. You're definitely very knowledgeable. Yeah, thanks so much, Phil. It's great to have you with us. Enjoy the summer. Can't wait to talk with you again. Sounds good, Steve. Have yourself a great summer, my friend. Phil Steele. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. It's been a great spring at Sunbury Motors Kia, and they want to keep the strong momentum going into summer with the Summer Sticker Sales Event. Summer is our favorite season, and you'll agree with these great deals. Lisa 2019 Kia Forte LXS for just $199 a month for only 36 months with $1,600 total due at signing. Save over six, six grand, grand on a 2019 Sorento LX, now just $27,301. There's $5,000 in savings on a 2019 Kia Sportage, now only $21,901. Plus, get 0% APR financing for 66 months on select 2019 models. And all Kias come with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty, making it the best summer ever at Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Financing through KMF. Lease term is three months. 10,000 miles per year. $1,600 total due signing or equivalent trade. No security deposit required. Tax and tax extra. Offer expires 63019. Warranty is a limited powertrain. Warranty for details. See retailer or go to Kia.com. All right, what a show we had today. Brent Byler on the Sealands Grove State Championship in baseball. Uh, Keith Smith, uh, RealGM.com, also with uh, Yahoo Sports, and Phil Steele. Tomorrow, Tony Knopp joins us on the show. We also broke the news about Suit Light getting engaged. <sighs> I know this, um, I, I realize this is low hanging fruit, but he he outkicked his coverage. Where have we heard that before? Every time I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you outkicked your coverage, man. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.